Welcome to another episode of Break the Cycle with me, your host, Joshua Smith. I hope everyone's having a wonderful Friday evening. Thank you so much for choosing to start your weekend off with Break the Cycle. I can't tell you how much all the support you guys have been showing me lately means to me and my family. It's uh, it's huge. Let's start off with some sponsors. Of course, we have Lorenzotti.coffee for all your delicious Italian coffee needs delivered directly to your door. Bring the taste of Italy home. Use BTC at checkout for a 10% discount. And my friend, my partner on the show, the coolest guy live, toplobster.com. For all your wonderful graphic needs, including this Tower Gang shirt that I'm wearing tonight, shout out to hashtag Tower Gang, uh, doing the Lord's work against the Antichrist every day. Uh, top Lops of the Man. You can also uh, join the Patreon, the Subscribe Star, or become a member of the YouTube channel and get into the private Discord channel where you can get uh, new Top Lops of Designs up to two weeks early uh, before they go to general population at like a 30% discount. So we're talking like $12 t-shirts, super cheap hoodies, great hats, backpacks, all that stuff. And executive producers the show anthemplanning.com for all your emergency and crisis planning needs check them out today see what they can do for your home business or personal life they're doing great work things that the government sucks at uh, for a much cheaper price and much more efficiently guys we have an awesome show for you tonight i'm really excited this is actually my second time uh interviewing this gentleman when i first decided i was going to try and do a show several years ago this was i think back in 2016 uh, or maybe 2017 it must have been after the presidential election uh I was with Think Liberty, and I, I got the honor of, uh, of interviewing this man. And since then, I've actually stayed at his father's farm and uh, hung out with him a little bit after his Senate campaign. Uh, he is the uh, host of the KWS News Radio Morning Show in uh, Jefferson City, Missouri. He is the owner of the Liberty, Libertarian Republic, and uh, one time he was hopeful to be the presidential candidate for the Libertarian Party. He is Mr. Austin Peterson. How are you doing today, sir? Cheers. Very good. Thank you for that kind intro and shout out to my friend Top Lobster, one of my top five favorite Twitter accounts. So, oh, oh man, we're cheers. We're clipping that for the Top Lobster. He's going to love that, man. He's uh he's amazing. He he hand draws everything. Hand drew your uh, your thumbnail. He really he really uh he's underpaid and, and overworked for this show, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> cheers, cheers. So, shout out to Top Lobster. So what's up, man? What have what have you been up to these days? What's going on? What's what's all the Austin Peterson happenings? Well, I think you know people who kind of keep an eye on me on social media probably see there's been a kind of a of, of a weird mix lately of like you know continuous liberty discussion and chats and you know battles with status online. Uh, you know whether they're uh, uh, national conservatives on the right or authoritarian Antifa leftists on the left, right? But you know another por portion of my personality has started to come out lately, and you know as I have transitioned to more domestic life, I got engaged, like uh, like yourself. Congratulations, by the way, Josh. And um, 
bought a home, engaged in property ownership. So, um, you know, uh, a lot of personal stuff, things that I kind of had put on hold, like during the, I'll, I won't call it the lost decade, but like the decade of liberty activism there, I really spent, you know, every waking moment of my life doing, doing libertarian activism. So now I have like, an actual life, which makes me not a real libertarian. <laughs> sure, sure. No, it's no, no. I, I totally get Just it, man. Kidding, but... I totally get it. I spent, you know, uh, my my two runs for chairman of the party. I, I traveled nonstop for almost four years. I went to like forty states, and uh, now I like sitting at home all domesticated. We cook dinner every night. I'm like, man, I used to eat on the road all the time, you know, and it's so much I, different. I have a hel- I have a healthy like life. Um, you know, the pandemic's been weird, so everything has kind of been uh, on the back burner. You know, some of the things that I would have been doing, you know, in person, you know, haven't been happening just because of what's you know, how strange the last couple of years have been. But, that, you know, that's been just – that's been pretty good for me just because, you know, I, I used the pandemic uh, to get healthy – Right. Like uh, I think I was, you know, addicted to uh, nicotine and, you know, e-cigarettes and stuff when I first when went in the pandemic. And, you know, I did I listened to my public, my local health officials, you know, not Anthony Fauci, but my local health officials were always really honest about the kind of challenges that we would face from something like this. And it was things like you need to exercise, you need to eat better, you need to get, you know, physically healthy in order to fight this kind of a disease. The number one thing that you could do they said was to get healthy, get exercise. So I've really been doing that. And, you know, uh, Steffi, my fiance and I have committed. Now we, we checked it the other day. It was like 11 straight months of, of martial arts training. And, you know, we're coming up on a year now and, you know, she's getting ready to get her second belt. And, um, you know, I just, uh, have been doing a lot of things to kind of like take care of myself personally. And, you know, I feel so that way I feel good because, you know, I'm hitting middle age now and I still have, I feel like a lot of contributions that I want to make, uh, to Liberty for the rest of my life, you know, the next 40 years or what have you. Thanks, babe. Pizza. Oh yeah. So thinking of getting healthy. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's like cauliflower crust. Years. We get it. We know. We know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got I got years of freedom fighting left in me. Uh, and so I'm just trying right now to kind of like take care of some personal things so I'll be more effective in the future, you know? Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. We already got some super chats coming in the chat. Thank you so much. Uh, Eric Dillard, $20 super chat. I appreciate you. He said he left the LP to work with AP and came back because of the work Mises is doing. All, he's also the guy who wasn't kissed by Gary Johnson on the Stossel debate. <laughs> nice uh yeah, thanks so much eric appreciate that uh lo-fi republican thanks for the five dollar shout out he said who does austin like in the missouri senate race who oh that's a good question you know I, I i follow that pretty close and i'll say i haven't made a decision although i do like both of the top contenders in the u.s senate race i uh, it is rare that you get to say that that I actually like the top two candidates. One is like the insurgent who is, his name's Eric Greitens. He's the former governor of Missouri. He's kind of scandal plagued in that he like had to step down a couple of years ago because he had sex with a mistress, tied her up in the basement, allegedly, allegedly, you know, got a bunch of heat, stepped down. Now he's trying to kind of like renew and revitalize himself. And like, you know, I don't have that kind of level of scandal, but I can relate with, you know, trying to like make a comeback and stuff. So I like him. He's He says everything right when it comes to questions I ask him about limited government, fiscal conservatism, right? To me nowadays, I think we really have to be beating the fiscal conservative drum just because it, you know, everything that's happened as of, of the last couple of years with spending and the fact that so many Republicans are now like openly anti-capitalist that it's like, 
I really try and, you know, hit the fiscal issues hard. Greitens is solid. But then, like, the actual kind of, you might say, establishment candidate who really kind of isn't, his name's Eric Schmidt. He's the attorney general of Missouri. He's been really good on a lot of issues. He's been good on fiscal issues. He's been good on civil liberty issues. He's been good on things like cannabis. And so I don't know what's going to happen in that race, but I will say that like the top two contenders are not bad. They're, they're certainly better than, you know, the guy who, you know, kicked my butt and became Senator in 2018, who is really, you know, is the leader of that, you know, national conservative, you know, populist movement that, is you know very strongly anti-libertarian. You know the other two guys who are running for Senate are not are not that. You know. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it's it's crazy because uh, Holly's done like two or three things that were okay, and then I was like, mm. but why why the attacks? You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy. He's so popular too that it's like it it like hurts me to like to uh, attack him or to criticize him because so many people really like him, and I'm on a conservative broadcasting network. So like when he does do something right, I'm like, oh thank God I could say something nice today, right? <laughs> yeah. No, trumpeted from the heavens. People are like Austin saying something nice about John. like his staff like wor- works in the Capitol, like a lot of them where I'm at. So like and they listen to the show and stuff and and like you know I can just tell that it kind of irks him <laughs> that I that I that I don't give him much credit. And then when the Capitol stuff went down, he was getting blamed for all of that. I mean that was. January 6th was a weird time, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of funny jokes going around on Twitter right now that are are killing me. The, the, uh, you know, the, the worse than nine 11, worse than the attack on Alderaan. That was a good one. Worse than than a Jamie, uh, Amy Schumer joke. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's, that's almost, that's just unbelievable. You know, (laughs) I, uh, I have Christy, Christy Meyer coming on my show, uh, at the end of the month. She's a, a female comedian and the first question i'm gonna ask her is uh so are you as funny as a man (laughs) (laughs) she's she's gonna hate it that was so much misogynistic everyone's gonna all over twitter everyone's gonna be hating a misogynist tomorrow but you know what damn it men should be men okay (laughs) uh so let's talk a little bit about january 6th man i hopefully they won't they won't kick me off youtube for it but so so where where are your thoughts on uh on the, the sixth I mean, like, if you go, I got some, some some bans. I got some Facebook and Twitter. I mean, they were shutting me down left and right because I was like, I was laughing my ass off, man. I was, I, I it, it wasn't an insurgency for sure, but you know what I mean? Because it was like an insurgency would be armed and, you know, trying to, you know, actually harm members of Congress and stuff like that. But, you know, it was kind of for me, it was like a clown show. You know, it was it was very much two groups of people that I don't agree with fighting each other. And you're kind of like, you know, you bought a ticket to the clown show. And so you're going to watch, you know, the circus, you're going to watch the clown show. It, it, I feel like the conspiracy theories and the QAnon types and all that kind of stuff have, you know, been proliferating so much over the last several years that like some of the gripes that the protesters had were absolutely legitimate. It wasn't all about overturning a democratic election in my mind. Um, a lot of the reasons why people were so angry and their anger had boiled over is because of the media and how the media had treated them. You know, Nicholas Sandman and what happened, you know, with the Washington sure. Post and that lawsuit, the coronavirus lockdowns and everything that had happened to people's businesses. I mean, that's what caused people to do like desperate things because why would you put it past the left and the Democrats 
to cheat. I absolutely wouldn't, you know, put it past it. You know, do people cheat in, you know, elections in Haiti or Cuba or North Korea or Russia or things like that? Absolutely. Do you think that people probably tried to cheat here in the United States? Yeah, absolutely. I think there probably were pockets of that, you know, all over the the place. Do I know, do I believe that it actually, you know, impacted the outcome of the election? Probably not, but I'm not unsympathetic to those arguments that were made by people simply because I, you know, the 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 Republican Party is the stupid party, but the Democrat Party is the evil party. Right. Uh, and so, you know, you never turn your back on evil or never underestimate what they might do uh, in order to enact their their dastardly plans. So for me, the January 6th uh, event was, I think, mostly a comedy show. Um, and now it's still a, a comedy show because the Democrats are holding on to it like they're holding on to the idea that, you know, Russia helped, you know, and Putin helped Donald Trump win, which is, you know, if for every QAnon conspiracy theory, there's a Democrat conspiracy theory that's 100 times stupider. Sure, sure. And, and uh, uh, fortunately for our entertainment, they tried to impeach the president over every single one of their conspiracy theories. So. Yeah. <laughs> I always talk about it. Uh, Quest Fanning, thanks for the, the shout out and the, the super chat. He said, just wanted to say hi. And also our friend Tams said hi, too. Yeah. Hey, guys, uh, Quest and Tams are awesome. Now, so for me, like when it comes to the question of impeachment, pretty much every president's done something that, you know, could be considered impeachable. So somebody's like, oh, you think the president can be impeached for that? I'm like, yeah, probably not. But there's definitely a lot of, list of other things that could definitely be impeached for. Sure, sure. Absolutely. And, and I, you know. I got I'd gotten a lot of hot tr- hot water with libertarians because when they were doing these these impeachment proceedings for Donald Trump, you know I was like, nah, I don't really I don't really care about any of this. And everyone's like, well, he needs to be impeached. You know, they all kind of jumped on the Amos train, and and I was yeah. all, I was all sure he needs to be impeached for war crimes. <laughs> well, how about how about when he invoked the National Defense Authorization Act, which True. was blatantly blatant socialism, right? Right. Yeah, def- definitely for me. I mean, every president almost in my pretty much in my lifetime could be impeached for war crimes, in my opinion. Uh, but it's, you know, you know how libertarians are, which takes us to our next topic here, buddy. The, the Libertarian Party. You know, we miss you. <laughs> oh, no. Some of us do. Some no, of don't. us do. No, you don't. Some of no, us you do, don't. Because I know I've been there, been long before you were there, Josh. I was I there. I know. I was a I was a faithful, diligent, you know, member of the Libertarian Party since two thousand and seven, I think my card said. And um, you know, was uh faithfully voted for its candidates, um, you know, was a loyal foot soldier. And I can promise you that as soon as I step foot back in the door, that, you know, the knives will be out in my back and, you know, A2 Brute and all of the same evil and all of the same ineptness, ineptitude, and all of the same uh, hatred and backstabbing that happens in the main two parties happens in the Libertarian Party without the uh, added benefit of actually winning an election sure. from time to time. Sure. So I, I can deal with all those same evils in the Republican Party with the chance that a candidate I support might actually become, you know, a congressman or a senator or an alderman or whatever. Yeah, it's. It, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I totally. Uh... You, you left the party and there was a vacuum. Someone needed to be someone yeah. needed to be the heel, right? Someone needed to be the uh, the bad guy, as they would like to put it. And I I noticed you filled that very well. Filled your spot very well, man. It's uh, it's still <laughs> it's still going on to this day. These people are just ruthless. But the good thing is the Mises caucus has grown exponentially. We now own we don't own twenty we have twenty six uh, state boards that we own or are at least 
very Mises friendly. Uh, Nick Sarwark has stopped giving donations to the National Party. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah, Andy Craig has left the party. All these people Yay! that hated you are gone. Wow. That's, <laughs> I didn't hear that's news to me. We took the Nevada State Board, dude. Complete. I we, heard that. We we swept the entire board. <laughs> but was and, was Andy? Uh, was he in Nevada? Where Wisconsin, was Andy from? Wisconsin. Yeah, he. God, he's so annoying. Yeah. Oh man, you yeah. guys. When they uh, talk about addition through subtraction, wow. Yeah, yeah. So when they when they tried to uh, when they tried to unilaterally take the New Hampshire State Board away from the rightfully elected. Uh, 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 XCOM that was all Mises Caucus. Uh, they failed miserably. It was like they were desperate, so they were really sloppy about their their shit. And uh, when they failed to do that, Joe Bishop Hinchman uh, resigned from from national chair. Uh, uh, we had two one region rep for Region Eight stepped down. Uh, the region rep for for uh, Region One stepped down. They all cited racism and bigotry, and me and Karen Ann Harlos and all this shit. <sighs> and uh, and uh, all these people just started leaving, and Nick Sarwark stopped donating to the National Party, and every and, and I've I've seen you guys from a distance just clawing each other's eyes out, and and then you know you're like you should come back, and I'm just like <laughs> give yeah, it good. give it like give it like another couple years, you'll you'll be like wow this this is like a completely different Libertarian Party. What happened, man? I would you know I would feel bad if it came back in a couple of years after you guys had done all the hard work and stuff like that and you know and <clears throat> so I, I think I'll let you guys continue to do the good work you appear to be doing and congratulations I mean I, I used to be friends with Joe ben, you know uh, Joe Henchman when I was in D.C. Uh, you know he and I got along really well and I don't you know know if he was a Star Wars like character when he came into the LP or not I mean sometimes factions pit people against one another that wouldn't have been enemies in any other scenario. That's kind of one of the, the, the shitty things about politics is that there are people who just for one reason or another, you know, because they happen to support a candidate that you're opposing or whatever, all of a sudden you've got, you've made enemies with people that, you know, whereas before you might've been friends. So I'm, I'm honestly kind of glad I've been gone for a while just because there are people who I want to have healthy friendships with, that you know otherwise may not have happened if I had been embroiled in that controversy. So sure. it's it's been good to watch from afar, just you know, for my own mental health, but also for my personal relationships. Yeah, and and uh, the that the probably the best thing to happen is the Pragmatist Caucus uh, dissolved. It's gone, it's completely gone. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. I know man. it just wow. keeps it keeps getting better scary. every this day. I was thinking, man, and what a stupid thing to do a podcast on a Friday night when you just want to be partying. But like, this is it's a party. This is fun. This, this is a party. Cool to hear all this. Yeah, shit. you're drinking. For me. Yeah, of course, man. The it's uh it's definitely changing, and and uh you know everybody's like, oh, the members, the membership's falling, and we're like, hey, 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 shh, it's gonna go back up. Don't worry. <laughs> you know, right? Well, uh, you know, just picture what would happen if a bunch of racists quit the party, and you can understand how we might feel. We'd be like. Oh look! All of those losers and assholes are leaving. That's kind of how we feel right now. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Eric Dillard, thanks for the five dollars super chat. He said William Henry ha uh, Harrison probably didn't do anything worth impeaching. The, uh, yeah, because he died first week in office. Lol. That yeah. reminds me of my my libertarian joke. Sometimes it gets people to laugh. Other times people look at me like I'm weird. Um, but what what got the United States out of the Great Depression? Oh. Uh, uh are you FD, oh. FDR finally fucking died? Oh sure, yeah, yeah. I thought you were. I I thought you were just gonna give the punchline. I didn't want to answer the joke. You know. No, 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 no. It's just it's just a it's a libertarian joke. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. FDR is uh, just you know, some some people want to go back in time and kill Hitler. Some of us want to go back and kill FDR. You know what I mean? You probably do better with Woodrow Wilson because then there might be an FDR. Sure, sure. 
That's that's absolutely true, man. Uh, so let's let's talk about COVID because why not? Yeah, um, thank God we live in the Midwest where you know we don't have the kinds of mask mandates. Poor you know my, our poor friends who live in LA County going back under mask mandates. You know the last year has been like one of the most authoritarian years I've seen in my lifetime, and you know certainly mu- it must have been one of the most authoritarian widespread authoritarian plagues that we've seen in American history since perhaps the time that FDR put Japanese in camps. Sure. Uh, Maybe since, maybe since slavery, probably maybe the greatest crime against humanity uh, inflicted by a government on its people since slavery in the Americas. Uh, And, you know, I'm not saying it was worse than that, but I'm saying that it was certainly up. It certainly has been to that level of egregiousness. Arresting surfers in the ocean who are out there alone, with a clear understanding of how infectious diseases work, by even the you know even a middle schooler understands you know infectious disease you know doesn't spread by surfers being out on the ocean alone, right? It was it was the opportunity of a lifetime for people with tyrannical impulses in government. Uh, I watched Christy Noam. Governor of South Dakota's speech at CPAC, I think it was last weekend, and she was talking about how so many of these Republican governors and legislators are trying to rewrite their records over COVID-19 and how they behaved over the last year. And that's absolutely true because, you know, when the dust cleared and the fear start, started to settle and the fear mongering, you know, what you know didn't have the same effect that it did back in, you know, March of, you know, 2020, uh, you know, people started to realize how ridiculous they behaved, right, and how... You know, people like Gavin Newsom and Andrew Cuomo and the roles they played in the deaths of their own citizens. Uh, it, it is, to me, uh, we always have tra- tests of true libertarianism, but really is there any truer test of your libertarianism than if you fought against lockdowns and fought against COVID mandates? You know, the, it, it did get to the down to the nitty-gritty question of, you know, ontolo- you know, deontological libertarianism, you know, natural rights libertarianism versus strict utilitarian libertarianism. And, you know, it because the question, of course, lies with if you have an infectious disease, to what degree an amount of risk are you allowed to inflict that on the community? You know, if you have an infectious disease, right? Um you know, and you can apply that question to many things. For example, HIV/AIDS. Right? Uh, some people think, you know, if you knowingly infect someone with HIV, then so you know that could be you know, considered, you know, at least a minimum, a form of assault. Or you know, uh, some people even say you should be charged with attempted murder. Right? If you say you didn't, uh, you didn't inform a partner if you had HIV/AIDS. Right? So when it comes down to the nitty gritty, right? You know, the courts, the court system, the question of how to judge um, someone's behavior, you know, whether they're criminally negligent when they have an infectious disease versus assuming everyone has the disease and treating them all like criminals. It presents quite an interesting challenge to libertarian philosophy. Uh, it, It gets down to the base question of property rights. You know, and, you know, just, you know, you could even compare it, for example, to the drunk driving question, right? And that's sometimes a debate amongst like the anarchist community versus the minarchist community, whether or not drunk driving should be legal, right? Because the question is, how much risk are you allowed to take with another person's life, right? If you have COVID-19, 
if it's confirmed. Let's say you had COVID, you you're confirmed, you took the test, you absolutely 100% for whatever reason we have a perfect test. It ha you have COVID-19. You know, can you just go out and walk freely in a in a grocery store or go get on an airplane or something like that or can you go get on a cruise, right? Or can a, does a cruise have should a cruise have the authority to say I want to see a proof of vaccination before you get on this boat? And that question divides conservatives. It divides libertarians. I mean, it doesn't divide Democrats and liberals because no. they're always like, you know, whatever's the most authoritarian no. you know, answer <laughs> is always the correct one. <clears throat> but for people like us, those are more difficult questions that don't have easy answers. Everybody thinks they have easy answers to questions like that, but there are none. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, I, so I live in a state where they made the mask mandate illegal. Businesses are no longer allowed to mandate masks here. Uh, she's now outlawed any kind, type of COVID va uh, vaccine passports here completely. She basically did what Florida did, um, Kim Reynolds. And 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 uh, we have z like zero new cases. Like it's it's over, right? Like it's it's almost over in Iowa. Is is Missouri like that too? I mean, is Missouri? No, we're we're ate up with it, man. They're st they're stacking bodies here. We're we're we got one of the lowest vaccination rates in the country um for us COVID is over but we've got people just you know dying from it left and right here where i live in mid-missouri uh it's still very real still very dangerous um and you know <clears throat> my thing is is that like you know i've always advocated for bodily sovereignty nobody should be forced to take the vaccine but it's just like a lot of other things with libertarianism. Just because I think something, you know, you can't do something doesn't mean you should, right? <clears throat> For people who are senior citizens who are, you know, of advanced age or who have <clears throat> respiratory diseases, for example, even the most conservative, hardcore conservative doctors that I speak to recommended at a minimum for those age groups. What about people like, you know, teenagers or kids well that the science doesn't say that they should even though the cdc does right but you know the government agencies are always going to be you know more cautious you know because they're incentivized to be more cautious than you know maybe an individual or another institution might be like the local health agencies have been way better <clears throat> than the um than the national health agencies or even the state health agencies so like county health agencies you know if you look at them piecemeal Many of them have done a very good job responding to the pandemic with, you know, just good information and no mandates. Uh, and those to me have been the ones where if you look at conservative districts that have conservative leadership or libertarian, you know, leaning leadership, I might say, <clears throat> like where I live in Cole County, they have not been authoritarians, which has earned my trust. And I believe the trust of the community and people have been more willing to comply than in other areas where people have, they have been more authoritarian. So I, I really feel like the more heavy hand you enact on things, the more it backfires. And because the government has been so inept over the last year, uh, and because typically people, they don't, they, they feel their politics or their policies, right? If their tribe is signaling, we're anti-vaccine, we're against the vaccine, then they, ha they feel they have to, you know, go along with that. Or they're a like, if I get the vaccine, I'm a pussy, you know, ah, all right. So, so that complicates things. But um, uh, overall, the United States has done, if you compare this to pandemics in history, this is the best any country has ever performed 
other than like, you know, the mandates and all this stuff in terms of, you know, just epidemiological, just the fight against COVID-19 itself. No nation in history has ever responded so well uh, in fighting a pandemic than the United States in 2021. Uh, you know, I've done comparisons to the Spanish flu of 1918, you know, the Black Plague pandemics. We, I've looked at smallpox. That was a 30% mortality rate during the American Revolution. You know, George Washington mandated smallpox vaccination for people who were in Valley Forge. This was a big topic of discussion recently. Liberals were saying, George Washington mandated vaccination vaccines. Well, yeah, he mandated it for the military, not the people. They didn't go door to door sending out the, you know, the, col the colonial army to go door to door to vaccinate everybody. They vaccinated the people who needed to be vaccinated. Those were people who were in close quarters and in trenches fighting Hessians in Trenton, New Jersey, right? So, you know, it, unfortunately, people aren't able to cherry pick and to look at things from a piecemeal approach was what you need to do for things like a pandemic. We all are sort of responding to it the same way we respond to a debate of pro-Trump, anti-Trump, you know, pro Gavin Newsom, anti-Gavin Newsom, rather than sort of saying even the worst person in the world that you know can be right about something every once in a while, right? Even Anthony Fauci, as much as I hate him and think he should resign and go to Guantanamo Bay, is right about things sometimes, right? Yes. So I just, you know, just because the CDC says it doesn't mean it's wrong. Do I tend to believe that if the CDC says it, it's probably wrong? Yeah. But I'm not going to completely dismiss everything they say just because I want to ensure that I'm being logically consistent. Does that make sense? Sure, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I get that. And and I, uh, you know, I tend to agree mostly. I, you know, I, I obviously do not agree almost at all with your uh, uh, Gavin Newsom being right on anything ever. But, hey, you know, I, I get it. <laughs> it. You know, it's like you know, he drinks water. You know, water's bad. It's terrible for you, right? You know, it's it, – People are very, very much into bifurcated thinking. You know, it's it's this or it's that. There's no gr nuance or shades sure. of gray. And people are really bad at changing their minds. But a pandemic is the kind of thing where, like, you have to be willing to change your mind if new information contradicts what you believed yesterday. Because as every study comes out and says something, you know, it's all just adding, buttressing up the hypothesis to give the hypothesis credit, right? To give the, the the idea credit rather than this study says it, so it's done, case closed, that's the answer, you know, but that's just, that's not how science works. Science is constantly evolving sure. and we should be able, willing and able to change our minds based on new information that comes in. Yeah, the, but most people can't do that. The science is settled has always been one of those uh, <laughs> comments that I'm just like, you, you you know that's not how science works, right? Like, right. <laughs> it's just not right. how it works. It's always a debate. It's yeah. always a debate. There are some things that are more that are closer to that than others, like the theory of gravity or you know the the germ theory of disease, right? That's people are like, oh well, that's just a theory, right? Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, if something comes along to discredit that idea, you know, I, I'm curious to hear that. Sure. You know, I, I want to hear more about it. You know, I as much as I. I'm a, I'm a fan of vaccines, you know, I, I didn't stray away from reporting what was going on with the Johnson and Johnson vaccine on my show, right? I wanted people to have that information and to say, hey, listen, this is this is what we're finding out today. Even if, you know, last week I was like, you know, well, here's how you go get, you know, your vaccine in our local community, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's it's one of those things that you you, you really you got to have humility to a degree. And that's that's what Anthony Fauci doesn't have. True. Right. And that's what people like Biden and Kamala Harris, people like that. They don't have any humility whatsoever. They are gods 
in their own minds. And so every proclamation that they make from on high is the honest truth. Did you see that like Australian official where she was like, we will be your one source of truth. Continue yeah. to seek us. Don't believe anything else. And it's like, crikey, what the <laughs> fuck is wrong with Australians? Yeah, they're, they're really, uh, they must have got tired of throwing shrimps, shrimps on the Barbie, man. Because they just, they, they get like one, they get like one case and they lock down the city every time. Like every time. And it's like, you're, you're never, we're probably likely to never actually get rid of COVID. You know what I mean? Oh no, it's 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 now it's like the flu now. Yeah. It, it's it is it is going to be now a yearly occurrence where we will have COVID nineteen. Now, we, you know our immune systems will eventually get better at fighting it. But it's you know when we go back and look back at all of all of history of life, viruses have been. Some scientists actually believe that viruses predate life itself, True. which kind of like How? blows your mind yeah. if you think about it because you're like. How could something that is like a parasite that has to have another host to live, how could it have existed before, you know, cellular life that exists? How could that have happened, right? So so viruses are a mystery that are, are, that are at least as old as life itself. And, you know, questions that we just, we won't know the answer to in our lifetime, you know, are unfolding before us. So, you know, it's a fascinating, fascinating area of study but it's one probably one of the least understood in the world sure sure yeah definitely uh, virology is always changing always evolving and there's no doubt about that uh thanks to reed uh, coverdell from the naturalist capitalist for the five dollar uh super chat he said looks like austin's trying to outdo me on the mustache game oh yeah it was Reed. It was Reed's inspiration that brought me to this beautiful mustache today. <laughs> uh, Top Lobster, thanks for the five dollar shout out. He said, uh, "Yankees versus Sox canceled due to COVID. All players have been vaccinated, though." Curious. People are acting like that's a big deal. That people who got vaccinated and got COVID, but ever since the very beginning of the pandemic and when the vaccines were being developed, we were told by health officials that like. Everybody's going to get exposed and everybody's likely to contract it. Um, some people will be able to um, contract it and then not have symptoms. So you'll be like, oh, well, I never had COVID-19. Well, maybe you did, but you just didn't know that you had it. And maybe you passed it on to your family and you didn't know you passed it on to your family. But there have also been people who had COVID-19. My friend Brandon, for example, he got infected with COVID-19 and now he's infected with it again. So you can get COVID-19 and you can get it again. But this is a statistic that came from my local um, uh, hospital administration and the head doctor. 99% of the people who are dying from COVID-19 in our hospitals are the unvaccinated. So the vaccine was not going to be a silver bullet that would prevent you from getting COVID-19. What the vaccine will do is it will prevent you from experiencing the most severe complications from COVID-19. It will it, it prevents hospitalization in a majority of, of instances, but it won't it it and it, but it won't completely fully protect you. I mean, nothing can completely fully protect. Hi kids, do you like violence? Are you sick to death of pussyfooting around the truth while being constantly fed lies by news and big tech tyrants? If so, then come join me, Dan Smots, on The System Is Down, where we get weird, have fun, and dig into all the dangerous taboo topics like conspiracies, politics, religion, culture, current events, and everything your family just prays you don't bring up around the Thanksgiving dinner table. And I know that reality is scary to some people, so if you're easily offended, just ignore this and go back to making cat memes or whatever. But if you're ready to change the world for the better, come join me on The System Is Down down 
at tsidpod.com or wherever you get podcasts. That's tsidpod.com because the system is down and truth is taking over. You know, life's going to kill us all. Um, but I, you know, people, I think people want the vaccine to not be effective so that they can, you know, be right. But, you know, I want the, I want the vaccine to be effective because honestly, I think a lot of the anti-vaxxer stuff comes from foreign intelligence agencies. I know for a fact that China is insanely jealous and Russia as well, insanely jealous of the United States' ability to produce vaccines. You know, I, be, I believe that one of the reasons Cubans are pissed and rebelling in the streets is not just communism. You know, two things can be true at once, by the way, that they are absolutely pissed at communism, but they're probably pissed that their government sucks so much and their country sucks so much that they can't develop a good working vaccine and get it distributed to their people. You know, we here in the United States, we can distribute the vaccine, but nobody wants it, you know? So it's like, I, Russia, I don't know if you heard the story, like, Putin's daughter got the vaccine that they developed before the United States one rolled off the line. And that kind of that headline sort of like, you know, was underreported, but it was bullshit. Of course they didn't develop that. Of course they, you know, his daughter didn't get injected with some random, you know, vaccine that they tried before the United States did. We we developed the vaccine. We developed it faster than anybody else. And I I believe that foreign intelligence agencies they know for a fact Americans love conspiracy theories and, you know, whether it's the FSB in Russia or whatever the Xinhuan intelligence agency is, they absolutely spread anti-vaxxer information here in the United States in order in order to undermine uh, trust in health officials here in the United States. Not that health officials don't do their job for them in many ways, but, you know, you can't forget a lot of times that many of the conspiracy theories that are circulating are, are what they call um, during the Cold War active measures uh, and foreign intelligence agencies spreading dis- disinformation. You know, it's not just the China news agency on Twitter, you know, but a lot of times, you know, working in mainstream news agencies, I can tell you that, you know, press releases that come from governments or from non governmental organizations make their way into the newscasts without the many times even the reporters knowing that they're reading foreign intelligence. Sure, sure. Or foreign. I- you know, for, foreign brainwashing. Essentially. I, can't, I can't remember who I had on recently that was talking about uh, Washington D.C. and how some of our uh, some of our intelligence agencies actually get their uh, talking points from the news as well, which is just it's so ass backwards here in this country. Oh yeah, well, kind of stuff. Uh, Missouri has the we just passed a bill, the Second Amendment Preservation Act, and the sec- this was essentially us res- resisting commandeering uh, federal police federal having to enforce federal laws for our own officers here, right? And the Department of Justice wrote this legal brief saying, you know, you can't do this, Missouri. This is unconstitutional. The Supremacy Clause has stepped in here. They had written their, they had written their press release based on articles that were written here in Missouri that were blatantly false or were completely incorrect. They didn't actually read the bill to write their press release. So the Department of Justice wasn't doing their homework. They were re- reading it off of reporters in Missouri who just, you know, they're all makeup and no firearms. You know what I mean? They've Failures. just never held a gun. They know nothing about guns. They know nothing about the law. They heard it was nullification from their, you know, commie friend, and they wrote the article that it was nullification. And everybody believed it because they, they don't read the bill either, you know? Sure, sure. Are you, do you think – so let's get back to just one more, one more topic on the COVID vaccines because mm-hmm. you obviously trust them much more than I do. Obviously. Who? You. Trust Who? You obviously trust the vaccines much more than I do. 
as far as the, yeah, the COVID sure, yeah, vaccine. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know how you'd measure that, but maybe. Yeah. So do you think – is this is this the first, co- like, vaccine, it, it, like, that has been manufactured that you can still get the illness with the vaccine? I don't think so. Um, Pri- uh, I mean, besides – You know, you get, you know the you, flu, you get the flu vaccine, you, can, you know you can still get the flu, right? Well, yeah, as long as it's a different kind of strain than you've been vaccine, vaccinated for. Yeah. Not necessarily. Sometimes it's just – sometimes the the flu vaccine, it can be the, the, the variant that you had, but the vaccine that you had was only maybe 30% effective that year against it. So it's definitely not the first flu vaccine that has not been able to prevent infection. It's 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 this is the first vaccine that we've had that was based off mRNA technology Um, and and mRNA technology itself is not new. And people who call it gene therapy are doing themselves a a disservice because uh, it's definitely not gene therapy. Um, It does not alter the gene. And, you know, I'm a musical theater major. Where am I getting this information? Well, I'm getting it from a respiratory therapist and I'm getting it from our local uh, county health officials who have, who are epidemiologists or who have an epidemiological background who are not, you know, authoritarians. Many of them are conservatives. Uh, and as I understand gene, how gene therapy works, this is not a form of gene therapy because it does not alter the underlying DNA. Um, it, it interacts with the RNA, not the DNA, uh, and so it's not gene therapy. But you know, people are looking for an excuse to justify, you know, their. I think people love fear. Like people, I think people, people love fear more than they love sex. I think people love fear more than they love food. I think people live on fear. People in the modern age in 2021 are so effing bored that fear is the only emotion that gives their lives meaning because they are driving in their Teslas, drinking their, their, you know, big gulps and eating French fries and blowing up to 900 pounds. And they, you know, they say they care about their health and they do the opposite, right? It's fear is something that people is a currency. It's a commodity. You can trade fear with people. And, and it's the kind of thing where, it, there's an economy of fear, uh, and it's 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 born in you know the media uh, because uh, there's a, a financial incentive to to spread fear. Media agencies got unbelievable paydays from the pandemic because it was you know all fear, 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 fear. I mean, I would wager guess that if you were to go back and look at the profitability of the first and second and third quarters of 2020, that media agencies probably made more money in those three quarters than they had made in years and years before because it was easy to sell the fear of COVID-19. Um, and if you try, it's kind of like that Plato's allegory of the cave. If you try and take people's fear away from them, tell them, well, actually things are too bad. Actually, you know, this is a good thing or, you know, actually you might want to look on the bright side here. You know, they might uh, they might laugh at you. They might think, you know, they say, oh, you're just stupid. You're brainwashed. Ah." You know, but they also might, even, you know, try and cancel you. Um, And in some extreme cases, I remember one time I was giving um, I was debating at Porkfest. I remember one specific it was uh, some ANCAP um, that people they might even try and kill you. And I remember. Uh, a person tried to violently attack me because I was debunking vaccine conspiracy theories. Then at the time, uh, I, I was debunking 9/11 conspiracies. I was debunking John F. Kennedy, assa- you know, assassination, multiple shooter theory conspiracies. Um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of. I love conspiracies because they're to me they're like a puzzle, and I like to break them down and 
you know, find out what's true and what's not. But if you try and take people's fear away from them, if you try and tell them that actually 9-11 was perpetrated by Muslim terrorists, or if you use logic like, well, if 9-11 was an inside job, then that means it wasn't blowback and Ron Paul is a liar, then they get angry because people don't people love their fear. They feed on the fear. Libertarians feed on fear. Fear is one of our biggest currencies. Conservatives feed on fear. It's one of their biggest currencies. Democrats feed on fear. Liberals, communists. Fear is probably the most valuable commodity in the American economy. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't necessarily disagree with you. I, I think, you know, obviously I'm I'm extremely skeptical of everything, but that's just because I'm tired of watching our it's, government it's shit. Totally, on it's totally fine. Yeah. I think it's good to be skeptical. I think people like Anthony Fauci have bred mistrust in the vaccine sure. by the way that they've behaved. Um, and I think that, you know, unfortunately, because we're so tribal nowadays, you know, people just they, they've got a virtue signal to their tribe, their sure. in-group, or they feel like they have nothing. Well, in this I was world. just saying the other day, I think, I think that the uh, the overall trust in just the healthcare profession is going to be at an all time low for a long time because of how much misinformation from both sides came out on all this shit. I mean, it's just and that's bad. Yeah, that's not, not good. good. That's I don't think that's good. Right. I think mis I think distrust in in government officials is good. Sure. That's healthy and that's wise, but not trusting. You know, when people are angry at my local hospital administrator. Because he's like, you know, you know, saying that COVID is real and not a hoax perpetrated by us on the communist Chinese or whatever. It's like, you know, it's it's it, that's not that's not helping us. You know what I mean? If we don't if we don't it, the dancing nurses on TikTok, you know, that's that's not helping us. Right. That's making people less likely to seek care when they need it. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. We've got some more super chats here. Uh, let's see. Where are we at? Sorry, I'm, I'm going back, guys. Uh, Quest. No, you're fine. Quest, uh, thanks for, the, for the, another $5 super chat. He said, he loves he loves how the socialized medicine countries are depending on the USA for decent vaccines. What did they come up with? AstraZeneca is going to give you the palsy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, again, you know, that's, that's a – people got really angry on Twitter when I talked about how jealous the Chinese were of our capability to produce the vaccine. Right. They produced the virus and we were able to produce the vaccine like they literally had the COVID-19 there in the lab and weren't, weren't able to produce the, you know, a functional uh, a functional vaccine to the virus that they had had samples on for. You know, we don't know now how many years, but I'm sure we'll find out, you know, in the ensuing decades, you know, depending on how many you know records they burned at the Wuhan lab or whatever. But, sure, um, sure. Uh, Reed Coverdale, thanks for another ten dollars uh, super chat. He said he thinks he thinks Austin will agree with him as another godless heathen, but science is starting to be looked at more like a religion as of late. No questions allowed. Yes, yes, I absolutely agree with that. But you know, it, it's funny because you know whenever something extremely negative like this happens, you get the kind of balloon effect, you know, where you have like kind of a loose balloon and you squeeze it and it pops out the other side. Like I have seen so many people who you would never expect to be red pilled, be red pilled in the last year oh, because yeah. of this people who like, who I have been working on for years to look into libertarian politics, people who called me a brainwashed, you know, dogma sucking, you know, liberal, liberal, libertarian for years were saying, Austin, you know, like this, this that this has really red pilled me, you know, and like my brother is one of them, you know, he's never voted for 
you know, a Republican in his life, you know, he quit the Democratic Party last year. And I've always been a soft liberal. He has been. And I, it's like, it's exciting to see. So, I, I mean, uh, there's bad out there, but I, I'm the type of person who's always perpetually looking for the silver linings in the clouds. So, you know, more people have woken up because of that. Um, so there's some good things that have come out of it too. Yeah, I think the the craziest thing for me, I was talking about this the other day. Uh, we've with so we've got the left now cheering on corporations and the end of small <laughs> business, and we have the right cheering on holistic organic care. <laughs> and I'm going, what's what happened here? This is insane. Well, I can't believe th- it. That I mean that that right there is, ought to tell you right now that again, it's politics is less about ideas and more again more about um expediency and tribes right we you probably have had lots of conversation people understand the concept of you know supporting the tribe whatever the, is good for the tribe is you know whatever i support and who i identify with and i virtue signal to the tribe etc cetera, etc cetera. we could go on for that for hours but another thing that is really disheartening and challenging is the simple fact that people will support whatever it is politically politically expedient for them to support at the time, even if it contradicts everything that they believe 10 minutes ago, uh, and that is unfortunate because for people like ourselves who have principles that we dearly admire and hold on to through thick or thin, that makes us very much loners in this universe. Um, you know, people who have consistent principles who carry through despite, no matter what, no matter what the storm is, that's not the majority of people. That's that's a very very small minority of people. Sure, sure. Uh, Matthew Ma- Mailer or Mahler, I never know how to say that. That is a name I haven't heard in fifty four years. Mahler. Yeah. Thank you for the uh, ten dollars super chat. He said he's just here for the karaoke. All right. Nice. Yeah. Thanks. Hey, uh, Matt. By the wedding way, wedding invitation should be coming soon. Yeah, I like I like Matt. I was friends with him on Facebook, and then I haven't seen him in a long time because Facebook banned me back in October. But I am back on Facebook, baby. Woo. Mahler is like one of the funniest libertarians I've ever known. And he's also like the scariest. Like yeah, he's a you like scary wonder, like sometimes dude. he looks at you like with a beard, like it, like like the eyes like this, you know, and he's kind of like, you know, you don't know if he's going to like rip you limb from limb because he's gigantic. But uh, definitely some of you want on your side on a bar fight. Yeah, it's a good guy. Uh, I, I like him. I, I was a big fan of him uh, back in the day. He's definitely one of those people that will tell you. Exactly what's on his mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Almighty Beach, thanks for the five dollars shout out. He said, "Austin, who's your favorite economist?" You better say, you better say Rothbard. You better say Mises. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Uh, I think you know. Five years ago, I would have said Hayek. No, no questions asked. Um, probably still Hayek, but more and more, I'm in, I'm really appreciating Henry Hazlitt these days. Hazlitt's the big red pill, I think, for you can red pill so many people with with economics. It's just, you know, economics in one lesson is just one of those things that it's just Hayek is not as accessible. Mises is not Boombovark, Schumpeter, Rothbard. I mean, those are not accessible. But when you read Hazlitt, it's one of those things that you can share with friends and they'll be like, oh, wow, these are, you know, this is really accessible. Bastiat is good, but he wasn't like an economist as we understand it. I don't know if economist as a profession really existed in the late 1700s sure. early 1800s but so def- i think you know at, at the moment i'd say hazlitt yeah yeah nice nice uh so let's let's t- let's address the elephant in the room before we get off here 
Okay. I mean, we could have done it in the exclusive chat. There's an exclusive chat for 10 to 20 minutes after this. We could have done it there, but let's do it here publicly. Let's talk about let's talk about the nuke pill, Austin. Okay. <laughs> the nuke pill. The nuke pill. I'm about you, to nuke pill some sons of bitches here. You have so, uh, Hiroshima on your ass. You have uh, been in probably more arguments online about your support of the A bombs in World War II than maybe anybody in the world of all time. Mm. So, can you clarify why it is that you support it? You think that was? A I I know that upsets you, Josh. I remember when oh, you we got into sent- it. I remember when you sent me the Twitter gif of like the little black kid crying with a little tear on his face. Oh, Ouch, Austin, how heart. could you? How dare you? Right. And, and, you know, there's a lot of different ways to look at this. You know, we could, you know, argue about the nitty gritty details of the history. And trust me, there's nothing more I would love than to have to go through the minute by minute, hour by hour uh, decision making process of Harry S. Truman. Uh, about the behavior of the imperial Japanese and, uh, you know, the rape of Nanking, the Bataan death march. I would love, love to go through all of that. So please, please throw any question about, you know, 1945 my way because I'm happy to to talk about it. However, I will simply say that, one, the question is, you know, do you agree with Murray Rothbard that some weapons should be banned? Murray Rothbard thinks that some some weapons should be banned, and I think banning weapons is a dumb idea. Uh, I think it's it's not a it's not an effective policy. And Murray Rothbard advocated for the for nuclear weapons to be banned. Um, and the reason why is because a nuclear weapon, like a biological weapon, is an unstable weapon. Uh, <clears throat> it's a form of weapon that requires constant maintenance, right? But uh, you know, while an AR-15 doesn't is not an unstable weapon, it will never go off just sitting in your in your office. Um, <clears throat> it is the kind of weapon that can commit the same types of acts that a nuclear weapon could create, uh, which is the thing that outrages libertarians the most, which is what is called collateral damage. Collateral damage. Uh, and you know the big picture question you have to ask first is are the laws of war different from the laws of peace um you know a, a true anarchist would probably say no that 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 the laws of that there are no separate rules or laws um <clears throat> when when war when conflict is engaged you have to obey the exact same laws that you would when you were in peacetime okay i, I can accept that and understand that this is a pacifist viewpoint, and and that's fine. There are libertarians who are pacifists. I absolutely believe that li- that pacifism is a form of libertarianism, but it's not the only form of libertarianism, um, because pacifism is not don't tread on me. Pacifism means you turn the other cheek, right? Pacifism means that if you are attacked, you will not fight back. That is the technical, literal definition of pacifism, okay? Look it up in any dictionary. <clears throat> that's what pacifism means, right? So the question is, is, is to what extent should we be allowed as, a, as an individual or a collective to use weapons which have the, ability, the capability of inflicting collateral damage? Um, Murray Rothbard argued that because nuclear weapons can inflict such massive collateral damage, they should not be allowed, meaning that these weapons should be banned. Well, an AR-15, which is a very powerful rifle compared to a 22 uh, can inflict collateral damage. If I shoot, if I 
am in my home and I'm defending my own private property and I fire my AR-15, you know, it's strong enough to go through the walls. If I'm shooting a 5.56 versus a 2.23 or, you know, so like a heavier round or a 308, um, it, you know, it could absolutely cause collateral damage. Now, there, you know, in peacetime, I'm responsible for every shot that goes out of the barrel of my gun. But in wartime, I'm not. And the reason why is because in order for soldiers to do their job, to defend the capital or to attack the capital, right, collateral damage is part of the is part of the program. Even the most hardcore hero to anarcho-capitalists in the Libertarian Party, Jacob, uh, what's his last name? Hornberger. Forget it off the top of my head. Jacob Hornberger. Hornberger. Yeah, yeah. Jacob Hornberger will say, well, of course collateral damage happens in war. That's, you know, but nuclear weapons should never be allowed. Okay, well, you've lost the moral argument by allowing collateral damage in any form. If you wanted to maintain the moral high ground, you had to say that collateral damage is never acceptable in any way, shape, or form at any time. There are no laws of war. There are only these immutable laws of nature that we adhere to that, you know, that are the, is the NAP and nothing else. But the problem, of course, with that, my argument is, is that that inevitably leads to pacifism, in which case I believe it's suicidal. I, you know, pacifism to me is, again, if you're not going to fight back, you're essentially saying, come and take it, but I won't, you know, I'm, I'm not actually going to fight you if you do come and take it. Meaning, Malone LeVay, come and take it, but take it all, have whatever you want. I'm not going to fight back because there's a chance if I fight back, I might harm a third party. And if I harm a third party, well, shucks, I've just broken the NAP. You know, people who are in desperate existential fights for their existence, you know, fights for their existence and for their, the existence of their communities, for their neighbors, um, they aren't sitting around thinking, well, am I going to hurt an innocent baby in Hiroshima or Nagasaki? I, I don't think that they're, that's really not the top of their concerns. Um, was was uh, Imperial Japan attacking mainland United States? They were. And a lot of libertarians don't even know that. Uh, you know, when you start to dig into the nitty gritty, you know, the Japan, if you've never seen Man of the High Castle, Japan had, had plans to carve up the Western United States. Uh, Japan was sending um, uh, submarines to the West Coast. They were attacking uh, mainland, the mainland United States, you know, San Diego, Los Angeles, you know, there were attacks by Japanese submarines on the west coast of the United States. Um, there were German submarines that were attacking the east coast of the United States. But uh, um, they were sending these balloons with explosives attached to them. There were civilians killed in the United States, in Oregon, by Japanese bomb balloons that had been sent over on the jet stream that they had, they had put up into the air that came over here and landed. Women and children were being killed in the mainland United States by Japanese balloons uh, that were sent from mainland Japan. So, you know, um, uh, you know uh, prisoners of war were being, you know, innocent civilians were being killed by the Japanese every single day. So at, at its heart, the question of the nuke is, you know, if you're talking about collateral damage is, you know, are the people that, are our people more valuable or are their people more valuable? Uh, and to the libertarian, the pure anarchist libertarian, all lives are absolutely 100% immutably equal, equal, but that's not how we treat our families, right? If I have a family member, am I going to risk, you know, my 308, 
you know, round going through the wall and possibly going and, you know, hurting a, a neighbor if I can kill a robber and save my family member at the same time? Yeah, for sure. That's a, that's a risk that I'm willing to take. Uh, and with the laws of war, as they're understood, the frame, the legal framework of war, uh, I don't believe that nuclear weapons are unjustified according to that framework. Again, if you're a pure pacifist, you know, nuclear weapons are not allowed. Um, and, it, you know, again, if you're someone who is a, a pure anarchist at heart, I don't know how you even justify banning any weapon, because, again, how is an anarchist going to say we're going to ban weapons? It, it's a, it seems like a short trip from banning nukes to banning AR-15s. Oh, no, I'm right. Uh, so I'm, these are a lot I'm, of moral questions. I'm I'm actively pro tactical nuke. So, I'm, you know what I mean? Well, see, there you go. So, so the problem, of course. So, the question there is: is if you you have an unstable nuclear device in your hands, your you know there is a certain amount of scientific knowledge that is required in order for you to maintain that nuclear weapon. Sure. Let's let's say it wasn't a nuke. Take away the nuke question. Let's say you have a biological weapon. Let's say you have um, VX gas or sarin gas or anthrax. Um, if you do not maintain that weapon, it will eventually leak. And it will eventually harm the community. So simply doing nothing, eventually your weapon will cause harm to other people, right? An AR-15 is not not the same. A nuke is similar. But the question is, how much risk in owning a weapon do you place on the community simply for owning the weapon? And certain weapons have different levels of danger that they pose to the community. But we should maintain nuclear weapons not just because we might need them in an actual war against humans, but we might need them in a war against not humans, or there might be industrial uses for it. So I think that Murray Rothbard's advocacy for you know, the banning of nuclear weapons is wrongheaded. I think it's as wrongheaded as many, you know, we signed nuclear treaties in the 1950s with the Soviets that are impinging on our ability to do proper space travel, right? The, the only feasible form of energy that we can think of to actually, you know, power space flight right now is nuclear energy. And right now we're not allowed to create it because we entered into nuclear packs in the 1950s. So I think a lot of the hippy dippy 1960s, 1970s left wing politics snuck its way into libertarian views um, and I think that that's a, a big mistake because I think that the – this is going to be really get me in trouble. I think that the the damage caused by the nuclear weapons was quite – was exaggerated to a large degree. And it's part of the reason why people don't like nuclear weapons today. And it's one of the reasons why we you know we can't have nuclear energy today because of those those horrible events, which I wish could have been avoided, but – you know, don't start none, won't be none, has always been my motto. All right, well, I'm not going to – I wasn't here to debate it, but I definitely wanted to hear your take <laughs> on it, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Rare Camilla, thanks, sure. thanks a lot for the super chat. She said she just bought five, uh, $5 clearance rum and will regret it. More importantly, where's my boy Calvin? Uh, Quest Fanny. What's up, Camilla? That's, she, works, she works with the Liberty Republic with you, right? Isn't she? She is the editor-in-chief. That's what I thought. Okay, I met her at uh, the the Missouri State Convention for Libertarians. I was a speaker there. She's she's really nice. Um, Quest Fanning. She is a brilliant wordsmith. Yeah, Quest Fanning, five dollars super chat said Rittenhouse had awesome muzzle control. Agreed. <laughs> 
What's up, Quest? Uh, Craig, thanks for the $10 super chat. He's also a, an Iowa corn eater like me. He says, my father fought in Europe after the defeat of Germany. He was to go fight in Japan. The bombs ended the war. If not, I might not have been here. And uh, one more super chat from Matthew Mahler. It was not enough to be not Hirohito. You must be anti-Hirohito. <laughs> <laughs> okay we're getting to the end, stuff, we're getting to the stuff. end of this thing before we hop into this this uh this exclusive stream for a couple minutes but uh i want to before we go we before before we got on the show we talked about the freedom ninja army okay now i have an awesome freedom ninja army too but it's just called the mises caucus these are the people who have gotten my back and uh have gone on the on the interwebs and defended me and defended all these great libertarian thinkers who have been attacked by shitty blue pill crap libertarians for years um what happened man where's the freedom where's the freedom ninja army at these days well you know i'm glad you brought that up because it was something that i think is one of those topics that we really need to discuss that's it's not as sexy as the nuclear bomb but it's definitely one of these topics that i think libertarians really need to be discussing how to build healthy communities um because we have so many toxic communities in the liberty movement. And I think that these toxic communities are really dragging on our ability to try to 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 have a bigger liberty movement. Um, the day after the the uh, I lost the US Senate primary, there was another candidate in the race who, you know, was way back at the back of the pack. Like, you know, I was honored to just, you know, take third place in a statewide primary. But I remember there was this gentleman, his name was Cortland Sykes. And, you know, we fought during the primary, you know, oh, we were opponents. Him. And uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And and I ended up respecting him. Uh, and and eventually, we, you know, we became friends. After the, the day after the primary was over, I called all the candidates and said, hey, congratulations. You ran a good campaign. I hope we stay in touch. And I wish you the best of luck in the future. Just as a gesture. I even did that for Josh Hawley, you know, just as a gesture of goodwill. Um and Cortland, you know, asked, you know, if I had any advice, you know, for next time, if he did it again, and his people more than ever reminded me a little bit of some of the people that worked on my presidential campaign, not officially, but just online, and that they were just throwing poo at anyone and everything, you know, for whatever reason, taking offense at absolutely everything and being hateful, rude you know, just poisonous, venomous to everyone and everything for any reason whatsoever. And I talked to Corland about the lessons that I learned from my presidential campaign, which is that it's important. The candidate has to build the leader, if you will, needs to be responsible in maintaining a healthy community. I talk about it like in the form of like tilling a garden. If you plant uh, seeds, if you plant a garden, and you plant, you know, you can plant the highest quality tomatoes. You can plant the highest quality jalapenos. And, and you can plant a beautiful garden full of, filled with flowers. But if you don't tend that garden, it's going to grow with weeds. And those weeds are going to choke out the flowers. And those weeds will absolutely destroy your crops. You might get a few tomatoes at the end of the grow season. But one thing is guaranteed that if you do not take care of that garden and maintain that garden, you will lose your the 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 possibilities of a beautiful garden by the end of grow season because you did not maintain that garden and i like to look at that as like liberty communities right the freedom ninja army was a, a facebook group had about ten thousand or so people in it and stuff and I, I chose to archive it the other day 
because for so long it had grown up with weeds. It was toxic. People were hateful. People, I started the group and people were like, Austin Peterson sucks. And I'm just kind of like, oh God, okay, well, who are these people? I don't even know any of these people anymore. Right. And, and so I was like, I saw that people were mistreating one another, being hateful to one another. So I archived that group and I said, everybody, let's go over to Team Liberty on Facebook and we'll have a smaller group that I like I can actually help maintain. I can tend this garden because I think it's so so yeah, we're going to fight with each other. Yeah, you know, Mises caucus is going to take out the Prague caucus and you know, you're going to have these battles to the death. But I mean, where are the leaders who are building healthy communities? Right? Where are the leaders who are bre- bre- you know, breeding positive communities that want to bring people in? Uh, a good um, example I could say for this was Back in 2008, 2008 or nine, I was in Washington D.C., and you know Adam Kokesh and I are like putting up and the Fed posters all over Washington D.C. We're like, ah, smoking weed, ah, we're 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 hardcore, you know, and the Fed, ah. you know, and um, we set up these rallies for and the Fed around the country, and you know, small turnouts here and there, angry speakers, ah, and the Fed. Ah. You know, and we got a certain amount of people who would identify with that and show up. But one day I suggested to the heads of the meetup groups, that's what we had back then, meetup groups. That's, I'm showing how I'm a geriatric millennial. Yeah. <laughs> um, I suggested to the heads of meetup, let's change the name of these groups from End the Fed to Sunlight into the Federal Reserve. We tripled our activists, the number of activists who participated over, it was almost overnight. Unbelievable how much more positive campaigning, what an impact it had on people's hearts and minds versus what was going on in the hatefulness. And I saw that in my own campaign. My presidential campaign, I was much more, uh, you know, much more of a fighter, much more, and you, you know, you could say that was more high profile than my Senate campaign, but goddamn, it's president of the United States, dude. I mean, come on. Of course, that's going to get more attention, but. Um, with my Senate campaign, I really refined the art of the positive campaign, right? Because I already had so many negatives going against me. People were going to be attacking me with negativity. One of the things people attacked me on, you know, is Austin, you aren't married or Austin, you are not religious, right? So, but rather than, you know, attack people's religion, right, I found ways to connect with religious people in a positive way that attracted them to my campaign. And, you know, I would challenge any libertarian to try and get 55,000 votes in a statewide Republican Party primary of similar size. That's not easy, especially when you're non-religious, especially when you were formerly a libertarian, especially when you believe in things like gay marriage or what have you, right? Legalization of weed in a, in a red state that's, you know, very much full of, you know, Christian conservatives. That's, it's a small, it's no small feat. Um, and in a primary, especially, but, you know, the Libertarian Party you know, presidential campaign is a, is a convention. You only got to convince a thousand people, right? In, you know, in, in a statewide primary, you got to convince 150, 175,000 people to show up for you, right? It's completely different. Um, the power of positive campaigning cannot be written off. We as libertarians, we thrive on fear and rage and hate just as much as many people in the main parties do including people who are successful in the main parties. But from what I see many times, the people who get on successful campaigns or who run successful campaigns have positive messages that rally people to their cause, that get them united. I mean, you know, let's look at 
Georgia, you know, the, the Ossoff and Warner, right? They had more positive messages than their Republican counterparts did. I mean, all the candidates in those races were trash. You know, Shane Hazel was in there trying, you know, he caused the runoff. But um, people are attracted to positive campaigns and positive communities. And the only way you're going to have positive campaigns is if you have healthy communities. So the, the Freedom Ninja Army Facebook page was shut down um, in order to so that I could have the ability to foster a more healthy community of liberty activists. And the the Team Liberty isn't even the only Facebook, you know, group that I run, you know, there are some secret groups that are even smaller that I'm a part of that we, you know, work together, we stay in contact and we, we try to um, support one another, right, whether it's financially or whether it's emotionally and things like that. I would highly recommend for anyone that I think this is a good way to kind of end this, you know, the main segment for anyone who, who hears what I'm saying right now and believes me and thinks, wow, how can I sort of add to my repertoire? How can I change myself? How can I find out more information about this and, and find a framework to base my activism on the future that's more positive? Here's what I'll recommend to you. If you're one of the, you know, 10 people out there maybe who's listening who thinks that way right now, because I guarantee you there's a lot more people who are listening to me, hearing me now, than are people who are going to take action on what I'm suggesting. But for those of you who are listening and who are got the pen and paper, who are ready to type this down, here's what I would say. You need to read Morton Blackwell, Rule, Laws of the Public Policy Process. You can find a free copy of that on the American Conservative Union's Leadership Institute website. And in it, it has for you the power of positive campaigning, how to build a campaign that's tough, strong, but positive. Because a healthy – right now, we don't have a healthy community, liberty community. Back in the Ron Paul days, 2008, 2012 – we were very optimistic. We were very positive. We were very self-reinforcing. If somebody needed help in the liberty community, there was a group of people who were there to help them. We don't have that anymore. That's what we have to rebuild. That's what we're missing. The positive campaigning and the healthy sense of community, that's the only thing I think that can save us in the future because the American people largely hate us. The two political main political parties hate us. The factions hate us. And we hate each other. If we don't love each other and treat each other well – why should anybody else do that? When other people see us treating the, us, uh, each other the way we treat each other, they have no reason to treat us well either. Um, and so that's, that's my last piece of advice for people who are listening who want to have, build a healthier community. Uh, read the laws of the public policy process, apply them to your fight for liberty, and I think you will do better. Yeah, awesome, man. We're definitely at the end of this thing uh, before we hop into this exclusive chat for a minute. Hey, uh, Austin, do you have any plans of running for office in the near future? I'm not going to say no because I think, you know, it's not impossible. Like, you know, mayor of Loman, Missouri, you know, like, you know, I could run for, you know, some small office one day and then that'd make me a liar if I said no. The reason I ran for president in 2016 was because there was an opportunity for a normal guy like myself. You know, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton were weird and they were hated and they're obnoxious and disliked by a majority of their constituency. And I saw Rand Paul was not doing well. And so I thought, hey, here's an opportunity to spend the next year of my life just being myself and standing out by being a principled citizen who is, you know, normal and rational and, you know, not obnoxious and friendly and warm. And that was that opportunity. But running for office, really, it really is about the timing. You know, what what is the timing? You know, and um, 
it, you have to be able to tell what what is when is a good time for you to actually put your 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 name in the ring. And some people are are cut out for running for office, and some people aren't. And you know, I don't know if I'm cut out for running for office. I, I'm not gonna take people like Andy Craig's advice <laughs> on whether or not I should. Right? I don't. I don't. I, you know, I'm not gonna listen to people like that. But. Um, you know, there may come a day when, you know, the bat signal comes up and I see the opportunity is as ripe like I did in 2016. And that could happen. I, I won't write that off. So I'll say maybe. Cool. Cool. Hey, Austin, where can all these wonderful people find you at, sir? How can they support you? You know what people should do? The, the, the most fun you can ever have with Austin Peterson, the most fun you can have with Austin Peterson these days is to go and to follow my news radio broadcast, my morning show. If you are looking for something when you're getting ready for the day, you like to listen to the news and tune in and tune out and have fun. The KWOS morning show, my radio broadcast is not only is it like news from a Liberty angle, but we do karaoke, you know, we're goofing off talking about, you know, you know, silly things, you know, listening to music. And, you know, it's a three hour morning broadcast Monday through Friday from 6am to 9am. If you, if you don't like a lot of distractions while you're listening or like you don't like a lot of distractions while you're doing stuff in the morning you just want to listen to something in the background download the app on your phone just type in kwos on uh, your iphone or your or your android but if you want to get more involved if you like interacting like this like a podcast like this then i would highly recommend the facebook live stream because it is legit it is lit you know there's like a bunch of cool fun people in there who are weird, who are funny, who are making, you know, sexual jokes and innuendos at 6 a.m. in the morning, which is actually kind of weird and funny. You know, um, there's a lot of attractive women in that group who are making jokes, you know, and things like that, which, you know, is always rare to find libertarian women in a, you know, anywhere in the communities. So, uh, you know, there's just a lot of good reasons to join the live stream. So if you go to the Facebook page, the KWOS Morning Show with Austin Peterson and John Marsh Facebook page, um, then you just click like, follow the, you know, get alerts for the live stream that happens Monday through Friday. And that's the best way to interact because it's fun. You know, your comments get posted up on the stream. It's terrestrial radio. People are calling in, texting, you know, it's, it's professional talk radio. And, you know, you're actually impacting my listeners are mostly people who are conservatives you know, and I'm the outlier as a libertarian. So if you want to make an impact, right, like being a part of that community, you're actually like influencing conservative minds towards libertarian policies, which I think is, a, you know, a good form of activism while it's kind of a passive form of activism rather than a real active form of activism. And it's just a lot of fun. So the KWOS morning show radio, you know, daily radio show is the best way. You know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, AP for Liberty, Dank Memes, live streams, all that fun stuff. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you coming on, Austin. Uh, have to get up to Missouri and grab a beer or a whiskey with you sometime since you're just a couple hours away. Uh, but I will see you here in about two and a half minutes for the exclusive stream. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, brother. All right, guys. Another awesome episode of Break the Cycle. I appreciate you sticking around with me on a Friday night. Guys, go check out the Patreon, the Subscribe Star, or become a channel member so you can come and hang out in these exclusive uh, streams. I think this is going to be the 15th exclusive uh, live stream that we've done now. We got people like Tom Woods in there, uh, uh, Maj Ture. I mean, there's some really cool stuff. And I actually got Tom Woods to say the F word 
uh, the other night. So you're really missing out on that if you're not watching these exclusive streams. But you get them, uh, you get them live if you become a channel member. But you get them on Patreon or Subscribestar the next day. So Patreon or Subscribestar backslash. Uh, break the cycle js or just join under any video uh here to become a member of the channel as a member of the channel you'll get awesome little uh hand-drawn uh, emojis that you get to use in these fire live chats so if you're watching it it, it makes sense if you're watching the shows a lot to be a, mem a member of the channel but uh if you ask my patrons i'm always trying to add new things uh i that's i added the exclusive content after they you know some of them have gotten some swag i'm looking at christmas presents for everybody so everybody's going to be getting cool stuff uh from me um, if you sign up and support the show and my 70,000 kids, uh, guys, make sure to check out our sponsors at Lorenzotti.coffee for all your delicious Italian coffee needs delivered directly to your door. Bring the taste of Italy home. Use BTC at checkout for a 10% discount. Of course, toplobster.com, the man, the myth, the legend, where you can get this great tower gang shirt I'm wearing tonight. Use BTC at checkout for a 10% discount or join Patreon or the channel or, uh, join the subscribe star and get in the discord where you get new top lobster designs. Two weeks before they hit the general population at a 30% discount. So really, if, you, if you're one of the lower tier subscribers, it really makes sense because you're, you're, it's paying for itself if you're buying Top Lobster's gear. And of course, executive producers of the show, AnthemPlanning.com, for all your emergency and crisis planning needs. Uh, check them out today. See what they can do for your business, home, or personal life. They're doing a job the government sucks at. Much more cheap and much more efficiently. Guys, coming up on the show next week, as you know, we don't do uh, Saturday and Sunday shows, but next week on Monday... Ron Coleman, famed lawyer. Ron Coleman will be on the show on Monday. He's based. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be a good time. On Tuesday, my good friend Mike Rufo uh, from New Jersey will be on the show. This man is a badass. He's one of my favorite people. Wednesday, we're going to have Dan Taxation is Theft Berman. I hope he brings the hat. It's not going to fit in the framing. It's going to be really funny to try. On Thursday, we're going to have a talk about anarchism, liberty, and religion with my friend Jacob Winograd also who is an executive producer of the show that's going to be fun and on Friday based Eric Matheny is going to be on the show also a lawyer a uh, little different than Ron it's going to be crazy it's going to be a good time I appreciate you guys sticking around I hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend please join us in these exclusive chats if you can I will see you on Monday for the show with Ron Coleman but until then don't forget to break the cycle to explain the lyrics of my last song may seem to contain a violent call to action in the personal frame but i just can't in minecraft the helicopter part wasn't referenced to gta 5 and the things you do so any violence you commit i am not an excuse because i just can't in minecraft what chipper is my friend and he's constantly cold accusations of incitement getting totally old Make your own choices, yeah, you have control Because I just landed in Minecraft Obviously I would never advocate force Unless it's due process and a trial, of course And if you're convicted, we will make you a corpse In Minecraft, just in Minecraft You're nothing I mean, you know it No product finish, cause you're close to COVID Holy shit, I think I'm a pro